Hey, I'm Bjorn Sutton. I'm a climber, a skier, a mountain biker, and I'm a product designer at Lorena. Welcome to Norona Podcast. My name is Eivind Eidslott. In Norona Podcast, we want to inspire you and facilitate great adventures in nature by meeting exciting people and telling fascinating stories. In this episode, we will meet Norona designer and outdoor enthusiast Björn Satnam. Björn loves to climb, ski and mountain bike. In Norona, he is responsible of designing both tents and sleeping bags. Today, we'll talk to Björn about the Norona sleeping bags and the secrets of staying comfy out in the wild. Welcome Björn. Thank you. You look happy and strong. I am. Have you been in the mountains lately or been sleeping in a a big sleeping bag or some? Uh well I have. Yeah. Uh well uh, technically maybe not mountains. Uh I was uh climbing with some friends this weekend. Okay. Up by the coast. It was really cold and we had a lot of fun. So where, where uh, that's was why it? I'm happy. Where was it? Uh this was uh at near Fosen outside of the Trøndelag coast in the middle of okay. Norway. It's very very difficult climbing routes. No, no, no. It's it's uh it's climbing for everyone. Okay. The whole family can go and have fun. So uh, it's easy climbing, hard climbing, impossible climbing. Every kinds of climbing is 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 at Fulton. So we have to bring our family and and test it. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I highly recommend it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The views are amazing. Tell us about your climbing interest. When did it start? It's it's hard to say when it started or the interest started because I think I've been interested in climbing all my life. But when I actually started climbing, climbing was in high school, uh, on my way to school. The the road that I walked every day, uh, there was a sports store that opened. Yeah, and they had uh, some shelves with some climbing gear. So every day I would walk past the store and then walk into the store and and uh, <laughs> just uh, touch all the climbing gear because I thought it was so cool. Yeah, and then the the guy who ran the place he he took me in climbing. Okay, and uh, so we made a deal that he was going to take me climbing an afternoon, and even the day before. I bought full climbing gear, so a harness, chalk bag, uh, a belay device, everything, shoes, everything, because I just knew this was for me. You had this instinct. Yeah, climbing was definitely my thing, and uh, I'm the type of person that gets really excited about things. Uh, I, I'm like a dog. I say, <laughs> "Oh, there's a toy. Oh, oh, there's a toy. Oh, oh, there's a toy," and then I forget all the other toys. Yeah. And it's the same with activities. I've, I've done a lot of different things over the years, but climbing is the one thing that I've stuck with okay. for for more than one season. Yeah. So I've been climbing for almost twenty years now. Next year is uh, a twenty-year anniversary for of my climbing. Oh, that's a great one. So next year I'm also forty. So that's uh, I've been climbing half my life next year. That's a big thing. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's I'm gonna celebrate it. And you climb. Somehow. Both inside in the climbing gym and yeah. outside in the mountains. Yeah, for me, climbing is outside. Yeah, but uh, I train indoors to go climbing outdoors. Okay, but uh, indoors is also fun. It's it's social, it's comfortable, it's convenient. Yeah, and fun. But uh, outside is what uh, it's all about, really, for me. Do yeah. you like to talk about grades? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think. What's uh, your grade? 
Seven uh, B. No, my my hardest grade is eight uh, A plus. Ah, that's hard. <laughs> it's it's okay. I'm I'm my that's my a goal French is, grade. French grade, yeah, yeah. yeah. And my, my goal is to do eight B before I'm forty, so I have one year left. <laughs> Good <laughs> and, luck. Uh, yeah, one month ago I broke my hand, so uh, oh no, I just got my cast off uh, a couple of weeks ago, yeah. so I'm back on track now. But uh, yeah, I think maybe eight B is a bit it's a bit of a dream, but uh, I'm still gonna try. For me. Grades aren't really important. I've never had a goal to climb a certain grade. Grade for me is an interesting topic to discuss. Uh, it's it's uh, it gives you a pointer if this hard uh, if this route is too hard to even try or if it's too easy to bother trying. Maybe uh, it gives you an idea of how the climb is going to feel like before mm. you try it. Mm. But it's not important for uh, the pleasure I take in climbing it. So I can climb something easy and climb something hard or climb something that I can't even do half the moves on and still have fun, yeah. no matter what the grade is. But uh, of course, if the grade is low and I can't do it, then I'll be frustrated. But uh, <laughs> In a bad mood. Yeah, <laughs> but I'll, I'll get over it. And yeah, then yeah, yeah. I'll just enjoy the climb. So gra- grades are, I think, I don't know if important is the right word, but it's a it's a significant part of climbing. You can't, you can't avoid grades, but... Uh, Climbing itself is it's what is what's fun for me, yeah. not the grades, okay. not the grades themselves. But you're not only a climber; you're also a skier and a mountain biker. Yeah, yeah, I do a lot of things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of a. I'd say I'm a pretty relaxed guy. I don't, I never get stressed. No. Uh, but the only thing, if I were to ever get stressed about something, it's the fact that I can't do all the fun stuff. There's just too much fun stuff to do, <laughs> and so little time, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. many, so many places to do all this fun stuff. Like I can't get to visit everything or everywhere all the time. No, but uh, yeah, I, I, I climb. That's my passion. Mm. And then as a bonus activity, I ski during the winter and then I bike during the summer. Yeah. So they sort of fulfill each other as uh, side activities. And then I do all the other fun stuff as well, of course. They interconnect and make you yeah. the perfect Norona employee. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can say so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we've heard that you have a nickname in Norona. Yeah, yeah. Some people like to call me Gear Bear. And why is that? Well, Bear is easy because my name's Bjorn, which means bear. Yeah. Uh, and Gear Bear is because I'm uh, I'm like a gear nerd. I, I like gear. Yeah. Uh, I like to talk about gear, play with gear. I like to design gear. I'm I, yeah, I like gear. So, gear bear. Yeah. <laughs> I care per- about gear. <laughs> care about gear. Yeah. And we care about bear. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. It's a good thing. Yeah. But when and why did you become interested in in design? I think I've always been interested. I just haven't been uh, aware of my interest until I got older. Mm-hmm. So, I've always... Uh, my dad would... Uh, Uh, bring home old computers from his office uh, and I would uh, open them up and l- see how they looked inside yeah. or play around with I uh, wanted to know how things worked or yeah, just pull things apart and I've always been <laughs> I always liked playing with toys I mean uh, as most people do really Yeah. and then as I grew older I I I realized that I get frustrated if a thing doesn't work in in the way it should work mm-hmm. So let's say, I don't know, random example, let's say you have a toaster and mm. you wake up in the morning, you want to make toast mm. and uh, the button 
is on the wrong side. Yeah. So it's it's in an inconvenient place. It's uh, when the when That's the power cord comes out one corner and yeah. you want to place it in the corner of the of your kitchen desk and then the button is on the back side. Yeah. It's stupid. And I realized um I get frustrated by these things. Yeah. So I think, oh, instead of getting frustrated, maybe I can do something about it. So that's why I became a designer. That's a good thing. I want to solve problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, in a way that that's good, that's the way to solve uh, world peace. Yeah. Because you uh, wake up in the morning, you're frustrated. You take it out in your neighbor. He gets angry, and then he brings that to work, and then that escalates, and then you have a civil war, and then a world war. <laughs> so if if only that toaster had worked, then world peace. <laughs> that's a, that's a great philosophy. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> But. What did you specialize in during your the studies? Um, I started as a mechanical engineer, mm-hmm. uh, sort of typical classic Norwegian engineer, and uh, I was a bit disappointed because I thought there was going to be more product development, more design, more sort of uh, in not inventing new things, but uh, uh, yeah, making things, playing with things, using things, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't want to end up being uh, just an office rat uh, calculating steel beams in the oil industry. Uh, So after three years, I uh, realized I had to change. I was going climbing instead of taking my exams. Okay. So uh, I realized I had to (laughs) maybe get my life together. Uh, So I changed to industrial design instead. So I became a designer. And then, of course, my first job uh, was uh, an engineer in the oil business. Okay. So they they just pull you back in. You can't get away from the oil business in Norway. But uh, now I've I've finally I'm free of yeah, the yeah. of the black gold. You struggled your way out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a long journey, but uh, now I'm in a good place. But did you have a dream to get a job in the outdoor industry at the, an early stage? Yes and no. Yeah. I think I did. I just wasn't aware, or I knew what type of things interested me. Like, but only as I played with them. So okay, this is this gear is cool. I like this. Let's let's do more of this. Uh, but I, it wasn't like I had planned ten years in advance. Like one day I'm going to work at Nordena. But today we are going to talk about something that you love to design, and that's yeah. the sleeping bag. Yeah, yeah. And you brought one along as well. I do, of course. I have uh, the latest project that I'm working on. Yeah. So this isn't actually in stores yet. So you're getting a exclusive sneak preview. Okay. Yeah. But first we got to have to listen to your best sleeping bag story. Sure. Oh, yeah. One that uh, really stuck with me that I'm going to remember for many years. Uh, And some of my friends are probably already tired of this story because I like to tell it whenever I can. It's the time I couldn't sleep uh, because it was too warm uh, in Antarctica. Okay. So I was very lucky to go on an expedition to the South Pole some years ago. Yeah. And uh, so we're up at the Antarctic Plateau, uh, up on the ice cap there, and it's uh, roughly 33 degrees below freezing, so 33 minus Celsius. Yeah. And uh, it's around midnight. I'm in my double sleeping bag with my wool underwear on, because, you know, it's Antarctica. You, you, yeah, you dress properly. I can't sleep. It's too warm. Uh, I'm, I'm uncomfortably warm. So I open up, uh, so I have a thick winter sleeping bag on the outside and then a smaller, a thinner summer sleeping bag on the inside. Okay. So I open up the, the thick winter sleeping bag and it's still too warm. So I'm so I was lying on top of it and I just, no, this has to go. I pushed it away and now I'm in uh, just a thin summer sleeping bag. And it's, no, still too warm. <laughs> in the Antarctica. In the Antarctica. So I take off all my wool underwear, 
I'm almost butt naked. I'm still not quite fully naked because uh, my partner on the, in the tent uh, probably didn't want to see me <laughs> spreading cheeks uh, there. So um, I'm, I'm, I have my wool boxer on. It's still too warm. So I end up pushing away both the winter bag, the summer bag. Now I'm just in my boxer on the sleeping pad. I'm still too warm. So I open up the, the door to the outer tent. So mm-hmm. the inner tent door, I open up to get some cold, fresh air in. And then it's finally comfortable. And then the day after, same thing happens. So now, okay, now I have to, what's going on now? I have to, uh, to check. So I had my, uh, my wristwatch has yeah. a thermometer on it. So okay. I, I put the thermometer in the, in the drying rack. So it's like midway, like halfway up in the tent, sort of a head height when you're sitting. Mm-hmm. And I check the temperature. I leave it there for a couple of hours just to make sure that, and I check the temperature. And there's no, heat sources inside the tent except me and my friend uh, there's no oven there's no gas stove cooking in the food or anything just two humans and it's uh, plus 33 inside the tent it is and outside is minus 33 <laughs> so 66 degrees yeah, almost, it was uh, at the most it was almost 70 degrees 70 degrees difference and that's like going from regular Norwegian outdoor into a hot sauna <laughs> yeah, it is. and trying to sleep and that's uh, it turned out it wasn't possible for me to sleep because <laughs> I, I don't function very well when it's too warm. No, no, no. I'm I'm used to the cold temperatures, so that's why I'm in Antarctica. It's because <laughs> it's cold. I like it there. Yeah. I'm I'm a bear, polar bear. Yeah, yeah. And that's purely because, uh, and I realized, of course, the sun never sets in Antarctica during the summer. They have one sunset and one sunrise in the whole year in Antarctica. Mm. And the sun, there was uh, no 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 clouds, no anything. Just the sun up, and there was no wind. So it's uh, perfect conditions for uh, greenhouse effect inside the tent. It was. Yeah. So it's just five centimeters of of air between the outer and inner tent is enough to isolate seventy degrees. Just 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 the sun. It's a fantastic happening. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, my mind was uh, quite literally <laughs> blown. Yeah, it was a, a mind melting experience. <laughs> and that's that's my. Uh, that's one of the sort of biggest takeaways from my trip to Antarctica was the the effect of just the sun heating through two thin layers yeah, of yeah. Uh, tent fabric. And, and I'm probably not going to forget that for a long time. And a good reason to get even more interested in sleeping bags. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I was, uh, this was before, just a little bit before my time here at Nurena. And uh, the things I learned on that trip, I'm obviously using every single day uh, when I'm designing sleeping bags and tents and other gear here at Nurena. Yeah. So it's 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 so cool, so fun to to bring real world experience into my into my job because yeah. it feels feels like it's it's fun. It's not like uh, something I just learn in school and then I have to calculate some things and then I go outside and play after work. It's it's all part of the same interest for for gear and uh, exercise and outdoors mm. and everything. But what was the ambition when Nurona decided to go back to designing and producing sleeping bags again? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's good that they say go back to because I think a lot of people these days they question why why is Nordina starting with sleeping bags and tents? It's because we haven't we're not starting now. Uh, we used to make sleeping bags and tents many years ago as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been focusing mostly on clothing for the last few years, uh, but now we want to. Um, we we know that we have something to contribute to sleeping bags and and. Tents and other uh, hardware goods. So mm. I'm a hardware designer, and I don't I don't work with the clothes that Nordenau makes. Uh, but we know that we can contribute 
pushing uh, pushing development into a more sustainable direction. Yeah. So that's that's one aspect of it is is to is to make more sustainable gear, uh, long lasting gear, uh, not just things that is easily recyclable after the fact. It's we want to we want the gear to last for a long time. Mm. And that's the, the best way to make uh, something sustainable is to make it last. Yeah, or at least that's my my theory. Um, that's one thing. Uh, and the other is uh, we're focusing more and more on our own stores, uh, relying less on other distributors, other stores to have a sort of a wider platform to have. Uh, oh, so we call them the, to to have sea legs mm. to have a, to just make the stores better, yeah. more interesting. Is to have more more hardware gear, yeah, and so a more complete outdoor experience in our stores. That's also also another aspect of it, mm. and it's fun. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's have a look. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I have brought my um, latest project here. It's the Trollwagen sleeping bag, and uh, just by coincidence, I have it in my Trollwagen backpack. And Trollwagen, that's the troll wall. The troll wall. Yeah, yeah. It's the highest. Uh, Wall climbing wall, thousand meters in northern Europe. Yeah, it's uh, it's a steep vertical uh, rock face. That's it looks intimidating. Yeah. And w- if you go there and see it in the afternoon, you realize why it's, why it's called the troll wall. <laughs> yeah. It's it's amazing. And I've been there many times. I've never climbed the actual wall. I've climbed below it and nearby, but yeah. never the troll wall. It's. Uh, but I'm sure you would like to do that. I mean, yes and no. I I wouldn't mind. So the the respect of other climbers. Oh, you've climbed the troll wall! Wow, that's amazing. But uh, then again, I also don't want to die, <laughs> so uh, so I, I I stay down below. <laughs> but for those who who want to go climb the troll wall, they can bring this bag. Yeah, and let me know how it works. Tell us about it. Uh, some people ask me, what's there left to to do when you're designing a sleeping bag? Mm. I mean, it's just a tube with down inside. There's not. I mean, a sleeping bag. A modern sleeping bag looks basically roughly the, exactly the same as they did 50 years ago, yeah. 100 years ago. And some people might even suggest a thousand years ago, but they'd be wrong. Because the sleeping bag as we use it today was actually invented just roughly 100 years ago. Mm. And that kind of blew my mind when I first realized is that the sleeping bag isn't, uh, isn't something that the Vikings invented or the Chinese invented many, many, many years ago. It's quite a new invention. The first modern sleeping bags, they started uh, arriving on the market in the late 1800s. Okay. So it's not that old, actually. No. Uh, which is, I think, kind of kind of cool. It's fun. Uh, but there's there's not really that much left to do. I mean, the first sleeping bags, it looks quite similar to the, what we have today. Mm-hmm. So the difference is in materials. We can, we can still uh, develop lighter, stronger materials. Uh, materials that are are um, both breathable and waterproof at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe better uh, ice or uh, insulators, uh, so that we we can have a, a sleeping bag that packs down smaller and uh, brings you or uh, saves more heat and uh, lasts for a longer time and is more comfortable, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's the things that we focus on when we're designing sleeping bags is trying to increase comfort. Yeah, and comfort is either making it lighter. So you you have to you can carry less, or you can make it smaller so it takes less space in your backpack. That's more comfortable to carry, mm. or you can make it warmer because then you also have to carry less sleeping bag for the same temperature. Or you can go into colder environments. Yeah. 
so comfort is basically the key. And that's one of the things that we've been focusing on on the Nordina CPMX is, is comfort. Yeah. So we, we've had the option during the development to make the bags uh, way less. But we've been sort of, um, we've been trying to be careful not to focus on weight only. Because that means you'd have to cut, cut weight somewhere. And that's usually either to make them smaller or you make them less uh, temperature efficient, so colder basically or thinner. Mm. So we have we've set some requirements that this should be comfortable uh, to use, as in lots of space to wiggle around inside. It shouldn't feel restrictive. And that, I think that's one of the main reasons people don't like sleeping in tents. It's because when you're in tent, you're usually also in a sleeping bag. And if the sleeping bag is restrictive, which they normally are, mm. it's going to be uncomfortable. You, when you're moving around, you sort of have to wiggle around instead of just turning on your back or on your side as if you're sleeping in your own bed at home where you have a huge duvet cover and there's nothing that's restricting your movement. That's, we want to try, to try to copy that feeling in the sleeping bag. Oh, that's a good idea. So to our avoid bags, the claustrophobia. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's an anti-claustrophobic design. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, so our bags is uh, they're actually or uh, every brand has the different size of course but uh, on average our regular size sleeping bag is about the same size as an extra large sleeping bag from our competitors. Okay. So it's just it's just roomier. Yeah. And uh, the trick or the challenge was to keep the weight at the same as our competitors' weight. So it's it weighs the same but has more space inside. Yeah, yeah. And that's. Uh, Really, really important because when you're trying to convince somebody that this is a good sleeping bag, they they see some numbers on the web page, website or numbers in the catalog, and then people are very, very weight conscious. They think that 10 grams is a lot, mm. even though it isn't. Most sleeping bags today are quite lightweight, uh, but um, the customers they they see, they see themselves blind on these numbers. It's easy to sort of fool yourself that the numbers are very important. Yeah, I understand. So, oh, oh this bag is 10% lighter. Yeah, but it's still just five grams maybe because the bag is already so lightweight yeah. to begin with. But uh, so we, we have to, it's, it's sort of an arms race against other, other competitors to convince uh, or to, to fall within the very strict criteria for, from the customers. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it's been a challenge to, to maintain the level of comfort that we want to achieve. Combined with the level of or the the low weight and the high temperature that the customer is expecting, yeah. Um, so that's and um, yeah, that brings me to the the other difference between maybe us and them uh, is the temperature. So that's sort of been one of my sort of pet peeves when I've worked in the outdoor business uh, for what ten fifteen years now, mm-hmm. especially for sleeping bags. Uh, is most sleeping bags, sleeping bag brands, they they advertise a certain temperature, but that's the temperature where you're actually getting cold. So uh, most people who, who who are familiar with sleeping bags, they know that we have the T comfort, the T limit, and the T extreme. Yeah, and that's the three main sort of temperatures that you can see on all bags that are rated. Uh, they have these three temperatures, and the T extreme, you should never even worry about it. Just forget that it even exists. That's the that's the temperature where you're close to dying. Yeah. So that's uh, hypothermia, frostbite, and health risk, and even risk of dying. That's the extreme. 
So when you have when you're a customer, you go into a store. I used to used to work in sports stores as well. Yeah. And the customer would ask me, okay, so what's the T extreme on this one? So don't don't worry about it. <laughs> Uh, and then most brands they use the T limit, which is the next temperature up. That's their sort. Of, this bag is rated to minus ten degrees. They'll say, but that means at minus ten you're already cold. That's the that's the low end of your comfort range. So at team T uh, limit minus ten, you're starting to be cold. Mm. You'll be able to sleep, uh, but you'll be sleeping in a hunched together position, like a like a small child uh, yeah. in in the belly of her mom. Yeah, you're not going to get a full night or eight hours comfortable sleep. You'll have six hours of waking up every now and then shivering and then falling back to sleep. That's the limit. Of course, there's maybe I'll I'll be warmer than you are because I'm bigger or super fat or I just have a higher tolerance for temperature. Then there, there'll be individual differences are quite large, but mm. on average, a grown uh, grown human will be cold at T limit minus ten. So what we're doing is we're advertising the T comfort. This is the temperature that you'll actually be comfortable. So we're 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 focusing on the tea comfort, but that when you have let's say a Nurna bag at minus ten, and then a brand X at minus ten, uh, because we have the tea comfort and they'll use the tea limit, it's not the same bag. So ours ours our minus ten is actually tea limit minus twenty roughly. Mm. So, but when you prefer you, not to talk about the T limit or T extreme. Yeah, we just this is our this is our minus ten bag. Mm. You sh- you should be comfortable at minus ten. Yeah, that's what we're saying. End of question. End of yeah. This is comfortable at minus ten, mm. and uh, and then there's a buffer. So even if it's minus fifteen, you should you should still be able to sleep. Yeah. But at minus ten, you're comfortable. And uh, so we want to bring it end to. The, the sort of myth that sleeping outside is cold and restrictive and claustrophobic and wet and damp and and you're hungry and everything is miserable. Uh, I mean, the Nordina slogan is welcome to nature. Mm. So uh, we're sort of trying to to bake that into the bag. Oh, yeah. and that look at this little, uh, this little uh, Easter egg for you. So you open up the bottom of the bag and look inside. A hidden message. Ah. Welcome to nature. Welcome to nature. Yeah. It's on the, on the inside, so you don't even see it until you know where to look. <laughs> That's a little fun. Below, at your feet. Yeah, it's on the inside of your feet. So that, it's a little a fun little uh, thing to, 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 to discover. Yeah, but you have to tell us about the, the specific design because yeah. the hood, that's special. Yeah, it's, it's, it has a quite distinct look to it, yeah. the shape. Um, so what we've done is we're trying to take our expertise in down jackets and uh, sort of body mapping and shaping from the down jackets that we've made over the years and apply it to the sleeping bag. So that's one one little difference that you can easily see on a Nordina bag versus a sort of a standard regular sleeping bag. Uh, and, and, and a common expression in sleeping bag or sleeping bag term is uh, mummy, mummy shape. Yeah. And a lot of the bags are either rectangular or mummy shaped. So we've sort of taken the mummy shape to the extreme and have a distinct shoulders and a distinct hood to sort of give you more uh, it's like feeling of getting a soft hug yeah so you want we want the bag to follow your body contours but still without being restrictive so there's enough room to to move around inside the bag but when you do let's say you're you're sleeping on your back and then moving over to your side the bag should roll with you mm-hmm. and by having a shape that follows your body and follows the contours it'll easily follow you when you're moving around yeah so that's the sort of the 
the reason behind these sort of sharp angles and the, the distinctive hood and the sharp uh, shoulders is that it'll follow you when you're moving around, oh, even though it's not tight. It's not sort of squeezing you, it's just hugging you softly and gently. It's yeah. caressing your body. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And it looks great as well. Well, thank you. I think it's a kind of a distinctive yeah, design. It has some character to it. Yeah. And that, that's also, I think it's important for Nuruna. And that's something that I, it took me a little while to learn uh, while working at Nuruna is, is uh, what's the essence of Nuruna? What's like the Nuruna feeling, like the Nuruna uh, look? Because mm-hmm. uh, I've, I've, I haven't worked at Nuruna before, so I've used all kinds of gear. I've worked at other brands and I haven't sort of, it's not ingrained uh, within my backbone what is the Nuruna feel or Nuruna vibe. Uh, and it's important that when you see a Nuruna product, you sh- it should look like a Nuruna product. Yeah, It's the same like if you're designing a car for Volvo, it shouldn't look like a Toyota. Mm. It should look like a Volvo. So all of these d- distinct visual cues or visual features is part of the Nuruna essence, I think. Yeah. So it's important to, to, to remember that when you're working as a designer. And it, that took me a little while to learn what's the essence of Nuruna in terms of like the visual cues. And what I think we did a good job here. What is the the essence of the Nuruna design philosophy? Fun. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at the Lofoten uh, ski range that we have. It's bright colors. It's uh, fun colors, uh, color blocking. So you have different colors on the same jacket. Yeah. Um, a lot of the North American brands that I also like. I mean, they're great brands. They look they look amazing, but it's more down tone. It's more uh, earth tones, muted colors, uh, more sleek. Uh, almost has like an urban feel to it, mm. uh, and they look absolutely gorgeous. Uh, but it, we have our own distinct look, and that's a typical Nordina garment. Is like the Lofoten ski jacket or the Falketin uh, mid layer. Mm. So we have. Uh, Bright colors, uh, fun patterns, uh, and that was that was my so the our my design manager, he was uh, constantly pushing me to to be more fun when I was uh, looking at, for example, the colors for the sleeping bags and the tents. Yeah, and I I had a suggestion in mind like, what about this? And he said, no, more fun, <laughs> more, more Nuruna. Even more fun. Yeah, more fun, more Nurina. So he, he wanted me to sprinkle some magical Nurina dust on yeah. on top of the design. So function uh, good, but make it Nurina. Mm. So that's that's been. Uh, but for me, it's been a fun challenge. Uh, I my my sort of dream sleeping bag didn't look like this when I started here, because I didn't uh, I wasn't pushed uh, by Nurina to make the Nurina sleeping bag. I just had a sleeping bag in mind or. Mm. Uh, I had a certain taste for colors, mm. uh, so now I've I've gone to Nuruna school and and learned what the Nuruna color is, for example. Yeah. So that's been a, a fun challenge for me as a designer. I'm not designing for me; I'm designing for Nuruna. Yeah, it's important to remember. I think. Yeah, sleeping bag. So this is a. It must be a winter sleeping bag. This is the warmest we have. So yeah. this is uh, com- tea comfort minus thirty. Minus thirty. So that means uh, I would have m- absolutely melted if I was if I'd used this uh, at the at the South Pole, which was minus thirty. And this is for basically the opposite. Uh, would uh, in plus thirty degrees, I would maybe <laughs> die using this. Uh, so it's really really warm bag, uh, and the way to achieve it is uh, just add a ton of down basically, and. Uh, 
adding a lot of down, you need to make sure that you choose the correct down. Because adding a low quality down, yeah, it's cheaper, but then the bag becomes less compressible and just really heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you need to balance that with high quality down. Uh, but you can't just shove a lot of high quality down inside because then it would be too expensive. Uh, so that's the, been a really big challenge for this bag is to achieve really low temperatures. Mm-hmm. I think that's maybe one of the reasons a lot of the sleeping bag brands out there don't make a sleeping bag this warm. It's just too expensive. Yeah. It's too much work trying to get this bag cheap enough, basically. Uh, it's still going to be, of course, an expensive bag, but yeah. not not more expensive than than uh, what's reasonable compared to other competitors. So it's all about getting the right balance between it's the, right balance. the amount yeah. of down and the price level. Yeah, and we've spent uh, so much time tweaking, adjusting, fine-tuning, just to make sure that uh, there's no heat leakage anywhere. Mm. So, for example, this bag has uh, openings for the sleeves on the side here. Ah, uh, that's a little uh, feature that isn't very common on sleeping bags. Some some other brands do it, just a couple, I think. So you can sit inside your sleeping bag and yeah. you have your arms free. Yeah, so the point there is this bag is meant for, for use in really, really cold temperatures. So expedition-style use in, let's say, Antarctica mm-hmm. or Greenland or yeah, really, really cold places. And when it's cold you're going to not want to get out of your sleeping bag because it's cold outside. So you want to do as much as possible inside the sleeping bag. So when you wake up in the morning, uh, you're making, you're preparing food, you're make, maybe packing your backpack for the mission of the day, uh, or just preparing gear, mm-hmm. uh, maybe looking at your map. You want to keep your bag on you yeah. instead of getting out and then you have less time before you're getting cold. So open up the sleeves. You're still inside your sleeping bag. Mm-hmm. You can even, and also because the bag is so roomy, you can still get dressed inside. You can take off clothes. You can take on clothes, or just uh, hang around around the campfire. Yeah, that's uh, my favorite because I want to stay in my sleeping bag when I'm outside the tent as well. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that that's uh, another little feature for you here. So you open up the bag from the bottom. You sneak your feet out. Yeah. And then if you look on the back side here, there's some uh, buttons. You fold it up, and then you click the buttons together, both sides. This You're going to like this one, I think. So imagine you're standing up upright, and it's like a long down jacket. Arms out, head out there, feet sticking out the bottom, and you can walk around. It's the biggest down jacket I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it's like a humongous down duvet, duvet jacket. So that's a little, a perfect little feature design. that we added uh, quite late, actually. The camp uh, feature. It's a camp feature, so you can yeah. walk around in it. Or just, again, if you're just inside a tent and you want to go for a quick pee, yeah. that's the uh, one of the reasons, again, to not go camping is because it's a pain in the ass getting <laughs> yeah. up at night to go pee. Well, now you can bring your bag with you. So bring the bag yeah. to your pee or expedition. You can, or you can do what uh, you should be doing, is just pee while in the bag in the tent. Just yeah. bring a bottle. Bring the pee bottle. Yeah, bring the pee bottle. But here you can have a stroll and walk outside. Yeah. So this is the warmest model in the range. This is one of the warmest sleeper bags in the world, actually. It so, is? Yeah. yeah. So this is made for expeditions. Absolutely. Yeah, and cold proper. environments. And so this is uh, below two kilos. Mm. And it packs down to the size of a uh, a basketball. Yeah. So I'm, I think... Uh, me and the team are actually quite proud of, of this one. You also make uh, not that warm sleeping bags. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, 
the f- this is the sort of the second iteration of the of the Noruna Simping Bag family. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started with the Falketin, <coughs> and the Falketin is more of an all rounder. Uh, so that's the first uh, range we launched, uh, I guess, last year. Mm-hmm. We spent, uh, I think, it was three four years developing that first bag, and this one is going to take three years as well. So it's it takes a long time per per bag, even though it's just again it's just a simple tube with some down inside. Um, but the Falkton range is for everybody everywhere. Uh, it comes in three sizes, so it's um, uh, sorry four four mm-hmm. sizes. So it's uh, plus ten, zero, minus ten, and minus twenty, and then that's comfort range. So you're comfortable at plus ten, or you're comfortable at minus twenty. Yeah. Uh, and this is a, sort of a step up from that. So it has uh, even higher quality down, which means lower weight, warmer temperatures. And this one would be zero, minus 15 and minus 30. Mm. So this is for the more serious expedition uh, use. But the Falcon range is used anywhere, everywhere. It has uh, slightly more robust uh, materials at the, at the feet and, uh, and the hood. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- it doesn't have the same sort of uh, features like the arm sleeves and uh, the walkabout feature at okay. the bottom there, but it's it's a slightly simpler bag, but still high quality down. Uh, it's the exact same fit, mm-hmm. uh, so it's comfort is uh, was the main criteria for the Falcon. And the hood and the design. Yeah, the, so it's the same sort the look. of. It looks from a from a distance, it looks exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, some of the materials are the same. So it's just uh, for the, this Trollwagen bag, we just used a slightly lighter down and added some features, uh, trying to keep the weight low, but the temperature really low. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, Falkling is uh, out in stores now. It is? So, yeah. So you can go and buy it. You can go buy it. Later yeah. today. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and my recommendation there is uh, for those of you looking to buy a CP bag. Yeah. And, and I don't I don't mean this as a salesperson trying to to pitch a more expensive bag because uh, I don't work in sales. This is purely from my own experience: is to consider what type of trip you're going on, mm-hmm. like what temperature you're going to see, and then buy a bag that's one notch warmer. Yeah, because you can always open up the zipper and air it out if it gets too warm. Yeah, but you can never close it more. If it's if you close the zipper, that's it. If you're if you're still cold, then you have a problem. Mm. So always, it's it's gonna be go a, a little bit lower yeah. than you first think. Yeah, add add, uh, add uh, some extra dollars and get a slightly warmer sleeping bag, and then you have it for the rest of your life. You won't regret it. No, not at all. Uh, if you go camping uh, a few times a year, by the end of the lifetime of the bag, you would have saved all that money by being more comfortable, and then you end up using it more and. And a proper high-quality down bag, it doesn't matter if it's Nurina or Marmot or Rab or anything, a high-quality bag will last you your lifetime. Mm. Uh, it, a down bag will actually last longer than a synthetic bag if you take care of it. Yeah. And how should we take care of it? By not using it at all. Then it will last forever. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> if, we, if we tend to use it. <laughs> yeah, if you tend to use it. So um, it varies a little bit from, from person to person how much you sweat and how rough you in and what type of conditions you're using it of course uh, but um one way to postpone the life of your bag is to use a little liner like a silk liner or wool liner mm-hmm. um because that means you have to wash it less often 
And the worst thing for uh, any garment, even if it's your jeans or your uh, Gore-Tex jacket or your uh, sleeping bag, is washing. Mm. It breaks down your garment. Now, in order to maintain performance, you, you have to wash it. So the, there's a, the trick is to get the right balance, to wash yeah. it in enough to, to maintain uh, the quality of the, of, the, of the garment or the bag, yeah. but not so often that you, that you break it down. Uh, when you're washing it, uh, it's it's like uh, rolling it down a hill. It, it gets tumbled over and over and over again. So mm. there's a lot of abrasion. Mm. And when you add uh, soap or detergent, uh, you weaken the fibers. So when you combine that with all the agitation and the and the rough treatment it gets inside the washing machine, uh, then they'll break even faster. Yeah. But don't be. You shouldn't be scared of washing your sleeping bag. Uh, it, it can it can handle it. Don't, don't worry. So, but you don't need to wash it every time you use it. No. So don't put it in your washing machine every time. And and a sleeping bag this size, you probably don't have a washing machine big enough, which means you have to send it in to a uh, professional washer, cleaner, dryer. Yeah. Uh, to have it cleaned. Uh, but they're not gonna clean it any way differently than you would do at home. If you go to a a proper cleaner, professional cleaner, and you give them your sleeping bag. They're gonna put it inside a big washing machine, yeah, and just add normal uh, like wool detergent or mild mild detergent. They're gonna wash it for you and then return it to you exactly the same way as you would do it at home. So mm-hmm. if you have a smaller sleeping bag, like a summer bag, just put it in your washing machine at home, okay, and uh, make sure to just dry it after, and that's gonna take a long time. Yeah, and I recommend maybe not using a uh, a drying machine like a tumble dryer. Just uh, leave it out flat to air dry, uh, flat on on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, preferably not just straight down on the floor because it'll be damp. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe uh, like on a drying rack or something. Um, a lot of sleep bags will have will have these ones, a little uh, cord or webbing at the bottom uh, at the, near the feet, so you can hang it, and then it'll hang in air dry. Yeah. That's quite convenient. Uh, and then uh, every single day you go and shake it a little about. So fluff it up a little bit and then you leave it for another day. And yeah. you shake it a little bit and then leave it for another day. And it's the same thing if you're washing your down jacket as well. Uh, you can use a tumble dryer. It goes a lot faster. So if you, if you need to dry it faster, then that's fine. Uh, but actually, there's a myth here that I can bust for you. Yeah. Is to not add other things to the tumble dryer. So it's a common mistake that you're adding small balls like a tennis ball. Yeah, or, I've heard of that. And even uh, if you go to uh, like an electronics store, they'll try to sell you dryer balls, so small yeah. plastic balls with spikes. I've seen that. Yeah, this, this will help you dry faster, and that's, that's not true. Okay. It actually takes longer time to, when, you're, when you're using these balls. That's just an old myth. It's an old myth that's just super long-lasting. <laughs> it's uh, the myth that doesn't want to die. Okay. And, uh, and, and another claim that they say is the reason that you should use these balls... Um, plastic balls or tennis balls is to fluff the down up so it'll be more fluffy mm-hmm. so if there's moisture in your bag the the down will lump together and not be nice and fluffy and evenly spread out or if you have low quality down it'll lump together Okay. so if you dry your bag and then just sort of shake it a little bit every now and then and just leave it to dry naturally and uh, by its own then it will be good as new after you've washed it and how would you recommend to store your bag? Between your trips, like this, yeah. So just flat out, uh, yeah, flat out, packed out. You can, if you don't have the space, 
leave it inside a storage bag. Most like high quality down bags, they come with one compression bag and a storage bag. Yeah, uh, storage bag is also fine. Uh, they're usually in a like a fine mesh or a, uh, a cotton, so because it it needs to breathe. Um, the biggest mistake people do is when they come home from a trip is they leave the gear in the backpack for a few days or a week or until the next trip or next <laughs> year and then there's uh, going to be some moisture in there and that's going to ruin your gear okay. not just your bag but everything so uh, this is the best way to leave it unpacked mm-hmm. uh, again there's a little myth that the down will get uh, broken or ruined if you leave it packed that's not true so a down bag can easily be packed down in its compression bag over many years and still be fine. Uh, the problem is that if you leave it packed, it's maybe because you came home from a trip mm. and there's some moisture inside. Or if you leave it uh, packed in your compression bag in your, in your basement, there's going to be moisture inside your basement. It's going to be stored inside your bag and that's going to ruin your bag. So moisture is the, the death of okay. uh, gear. Moisture and UV light yeah. kills your gear. Yeah, uh, especially your down bags. So the reason you should leave it in either a large um, storage bag that's uh, airy or breathes well, or just unpacked like this, is so that all the moisture can escape. Yeah, and sometimes there might get more moisture inside because you're leaving it downstairs in the in the basement, uh, but you still need that moisture to escape. Uh, so to store it in a cool, dry place. Um, Sometimes I've stored it under my bed because there's lots of space there and it's flat. Yeah. Uh, but actually, the underside of beds can sometimes be quite... There's going to be a lot of moisture there because uh, you're sleeping in it and uh, your body uh, sheds about half a liter of water every night. And yeah. that water has to go somewhere and it's not going to go straight down, of course, but some is gonna, there's going to be sort of a slightly more humid environment on mm. your bed. <clears throat> so... I'd say leave it somewhere you know is dry. Yeah. Uh, maybe under the sofa. Sofa is usually quite a dry place. So and you don't store other things under the sofa normally. So shove it under the sofa or in a cupboard and hang. Leave it to hang from the little webbings at the at the foot end or something in your cupboard. Yeah. If you have the space. Yeah. Yeah, that's the best. But that's you can if you don't have space, leave it inside the compression bag. Just shove it in there, strap it down, and store it away. Just make sure that it's dry before you pack it down. That's a good advice. Yeah, thank you. Where would you like to bring your sleeping bag this winter? Um, everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's my problem. There's so many there's so many great places to visit. I mean, I'm going to for sure go climbing here and there and uh, I have to admit that uh, as I'm getting older, I'm also fond of comfort not mm-hmm. just in my sleeping bag just in general so I sleep less in tents now than maybe I used to uh, but I do of course uh, of course I sleep in uh, sleeping bags and tents uh, many times a year uh, but I don't know where my next trip is going to be uh, we'll see Yeah, but it's going to be uh, a, f- a, f- a handful of trips this winter I'd say probably somewhere and then, and then you bring your winter bag yeah Yeah, I will probably actually bring this exact sample that we have uh, <laughs> yeah, in this test room. Test this one. This is uh, I've already used this one uh, quite a bit, and it's been amazing. And when can we buy the Trollwagen sleeping bag? So the Trollwagen sleeping bag is probably gonna be in stores uh, not until for at least one more year. Okay. So um, the, um, we have a range of three temperatures, 
and also two sizes. So we have them zero, minus 15, minus 30, in both men's and women's. And I don't actually consider them necessarily men's and women's, uh, but more short and long or short mm. and regular. Mm. Uh, if you're a short guy, you should buy the women's bag. And the only difference is there's no pink colors or flower patterns to make it sort of uh, womany. Uh, the only difference is the size. Okay. So if you're a short guy, just choose a shorter bag yeah. and you will be more comfortable. <laughs> um, and if you're... Um, you reveal the secret now. Yeah, yeah, it's the secret is out. <laughs> uh, if you're if you're a shorter guy, uh, you, you'll be just as fine in the longer bag. Yeah. The only difference is that you're paying for down that you're not going to use. So you're, you or in terms of uh, the price is the same, but you're, in, you're paying in terms of extra weight that you have to carry. Mm. Uh, so you you don't need it. So just buy the bag that fits your your body size. Yeah. Uh, if you're tall or wide, just buy a bigger bag. If you're short and narrow, just buy the smaller bag. And uh, that's my little pro tip. Thank you so much, Bjorn. Thank you. This was a great sleeping bag talk. Oh, it's too short. We could <laughs> we could talk <laughs> Go on for, forever uh, for, for days and days. <laughs> Luckily, you're gonna return to us to talk about tents. Yeah. So if you enjoyed this episode with Bjorn talking about sleeping bags. Tune in on an episode where he talks about tents as well. Can't wait. See you soon. Thanks. Norona podcast is published by the Norwegian outdoor company Norona Sport. Norona has been producing premium outdoor products since 1929. Check out our clothes, backpacks, tents sleeping bags and skis on our website norona.com. There you will also find more inspiring stories about our rich history, the expeditions we have participated in, our ambassadors and our ambitions in sustainability. Thank you for listening to Norona Podcast. We really appreciate it. And welcome to nature. Welcome to nature.